What's going on, everyone? This is Sam Darren, co-host with me, Caleb Skinner, as always. And we are Saturday Standouts. Welcome to the Saturday Standouts podcast, presented by Unwrapped Sports Network. And last week, we talked about the SEC. This week, we've got the second-best conference, arguably, in college football, the Big Ten. And as a fan, we're going to start off with the Wisconsin Badger. And this, I mean, I sent out a tweet the other day. They have a rising secondary, and one of the guys that really stands out is Fion, Fion, his name, Fion Hicks. Um, they still have Jack Cohn. Um, they've got big shoes to fill with the departure of both Chris Orr and Zach Bond. Zach Bond was a really um, fun guy that went to West Bend, where I'm originally from, transferred to Brown Deer, played quarterback at Brown Deer, was recruited as an outside linebacker at Wisconsin. And I think a big reason, not only, like, I you can't, I don't I don't even like to say that diluted Sambo was a big reason why he fell all the way to the third, but I think <laughs> one of the reasons, one of the, I guess, the other big reason why he fell is he is undersized for that pressure, but he has speed like no other, and I think that can make a lot of scouts overlook it. So I think he definitely has the talent to... Um, kind of proves those scouts that he should be drafted higher. I really did not see him falling past the second. Um, so I think, especially, and like coming from a Packer fan, he would have been great to have, but he's a guy that exceeds on the outside, and the Packers needed an inside linebacker. So he can play, he can play off defense. He blitz from the outside, blitz from the inside. He's a guy that excels specifically on so he's going to need a little bit of grooming on the inside, but he's got the athletic ability to do so. And another guy that really stands out, and he's going to solidify himself, um, especially now that Micah Parsons has opted out officially, which we'll get to in a moment, in a bit here, is Jack Sanborn. I mean, I said before that they're going to have big shoes to fill with the departures of both Chris Orr and Zach Bond, but... Jack, Jack Sanborn is going to be the guy that definitely is going to step up, and he's going to become a leader on that defense. Yeah, uh, you pretty much nailed it on the head uh, there, Sam. They've got some big shoes to feel, or fill. They've lost a lot of talent off of their defense um, there in Wisconsin. Um, I know you're a Badger fan, so you really keep up with everything over there. Um, I'm not so much. I'm down here in the South, so... Uh, I tend to focus more towards, you know, the Southern uh, conferences and everything, but I'm glad to be jumping on here and working on some uh, Big Ten football with you and uh, your favorite team starting off here with those Wisconsin Badgers and their defense. Um, I feel like they always have a pretty solid defense, and hopefully these guys who are having to step up and, um, like you said, um, make these big shoes to fill, these big shoes to fill, um, hopefully they're able to do that. And you name some names. Uh, I haven't necessarily got to be able to dig, in, dig into them yet, but – um, somebody who kind of stands out to me is uh, Louder Milk there on the defensive line. Yeah, and I mean Jim Leonard has really built something out of there. I mean Jim Leonard, that's a guy that I was really impressed with. He's been impressive the past few seasons that he's been with the Badgers. And you look at the Packers, I wanted Jim Leonard would have been great, but then you're reading reports. I mean I know he doesn't want to leave Madison. But Jim Leonard has really, really built something special. And yeah, up in that front, up in that front defensive line, Loudermilk is definitely a big run stopper as well. Yeah, I, I think he'll probably be the first Wisconsin Badger 
off the board in this next upcoming draft just because of how good he is at the at the defensive end position. Um, he's just like a freak of nature, man. Like he's got all the intangibles. He's going to test very well at the NFL Combine once he gets there. Um, he's just going to put up staggering numbers again this next up or this upcoming fall as long as there is a season. So I'm really excited to see that and see the uh, other young guys kind of grow into their positions. I'm not necessarily expecting them to uh, be necessarily the defense they were and be able to fill those shoes automatically just right off the bat. I mean, some some players might, um, but right off the bat, it's kind of hard to be able to do that. So I'm kind of looking for the, that Wisconsin defense to kind of just get comfortable um, with each other and, you know, just kind of become a cohesive unit in terms of being a, a very pretty, de- a very, very good defense. Yeah, and like I brought up before, that the, they were fourth in the Big Ten. They were, I believe, at, they were right at 10. They were a top 10 defense in the country last year. And Loudermilk is also, a, like, he may be a little bit under 300 pounds, but he is a mountain of a man. He's 6'7". Yeah, huge. Yeah, he's huge. He's a mountain of a man. And he finished with, I mean, these these stats aren't going to jump out, like, braid. They're not going to wow you. But there's also other guys on that defense like by own hicks like we've like we brought up before um and I, madison cone another guy on the secondary and even isaiah laudermilk and even jack sanborn i mean and now you got isaiah laudermilk a guy that's a, an, another rising part of that run defense yeah it's going to be interesting to see um what happens there um these names um have got to come together and kind of be that force with one one another and um, hopefully Loudermilk can kind of be that, you know, standing tall voice you know, since he's been there a little bit and uh, is kind of one of the leaders there on the defensive end and kind of creates havoc. So it would be nice to see him be able to, you know, round those guys up and, and get them on the right path to uh, becoming better than fourth in the Big Ten on defense. Yeah, definitely. And they have all the potential to do so. And now for the interesting one. They lost – I mean, the Badgers haven't had – the best, the Badgers' best quarterback to ever come out of Wisconsin is Russell Wilson. And Jack Cohn, to me, I like Jack Cohn. Um, I, I noticed from the past season compared to his previous years, there were definitely games where he looked a lot more confident on the field. And, I mean, yeah, he only threw for just under, just over uh, 500 yards um, in 2018, his sophomore season. But then he came back strong and threw um, 20, over 2,700 yards and 18 touchdowns and five interceptions, and he played in 14 games. I mean, there were games where, yeah, he had a little bit of a shakeup, and like, that's, that's the weird thing about the Badgers all the time is, and it's, it's frustrating coming from a fan, is two years ago they lost to BYU, and that was an embarrassing game. They barely, if I remember correctly, I don't think they had the lead the entire game. <laughs> and then you go in last year, they played Illinois. I mean, Illinois, they're a better basketball team than they are a football team. Yeah. Their football team hasn't done anything in years, and they yep. lose to them by a field goal. And, I mean, they, I know they just, re- they just extended Paul Christ as well. But, I mean, Jack Cohn, you also have Graham Mertz sitting behind you. Yeah, uh, I was going to mention, is Graham, is Graham going to start pushing him for, for reps here? Um, I know he's just a redshirt freshman, but um, and Jack Cohn's got that that seniority over him being the senior on the team. But we saw Mertz in kind of limited action in two games last year. 
Um, and he looked really, really good. So like, is he going to take that next step to be able to perhaps take the reins from somebody who's got seniority? See, what I think of that, I mean, yeah, obviously he has loads and loads of potential. There was a tweet I was reading. We posted on our Dairy Sports. If someone posted it, I can't recall what it was. It was it, it was on. It was an unbelievable passing stat that he had. And he's a guy from Kansas. But the way I see it is, if you lose to Jack Cohn and he transfers, I don't think he deserves to start anywhere else. If you lose to Jack Cohn, because I think Jack Cohn is a good quarterback. I think he's a good enough quarterback to win us football games. But I mean, is Jack Cohn like a dual threat quarterback? No, he. I don't really think he is. But. If I mean I Graham Mertz, like you said, the dude has tons and tons of potential. We've even seen it before he was before he was recruited when he was playing down in Kansas. And here it is. So Graham Mertz, he he played high school at Kansas in two seasons. I'm sorry, I'm just looking through the tweet. I tried to scroll through and find it. He threw Graham Mertz threw for seven thousand five hundred and sixty one yards and ninety six touchdowns in two seasons. At Blue Valley North High School in Kansas. That's incredible. Like, yeah, that is unreal. So if the Badgers can really, like, if he can produce at a high level, I mean, like you mentioned, the times that we've put him in, he is definitely, I think he has all the potential and talent in the world to give Jack Cohen a run for his money. Oh, 100% he does. Um Jack Cohn just doesn't strike me as anything special. I know, like, when it comes to Wisconsin quarterbacks, that's not necessarily what you're looking for. You're just looking for a game manager type or somebody to hand the ball off, you know, not trip over the offensive lineman when he's taking that drop back to hand the ball off. But um, Mertz just provides a different dimension for you. Like you were saying, when you listed all of his high school stats, like, that just doesn't happen for any reason, even though it's in he's playing in Kansas. But, like, he's still playing in Kansas. I mean, it doesn't matter. Um, you're still playing high school level football and he's putting up absolutely insane numbers, you know. So um, with that and then the two games that we've seen, we've seen him in limited action um, this past season. I think he deserves it as long as he comes into camp here and kind of, you know, proves it that, hey, I deserve these reins to take over the offense over over your senior. Yep. And so two other losses on their offense. Obviously, one of the bigger ones. Oh, and definitely one, the biggest one. <laughs> definitely Jonathan Taylor. And what's interesting is when they had Jonathan Taylor, now the next guy they're going to have is Garrett Groshek. And when they had JT, Garrett Groshek, Amherst native from Amherst, Wisconsin, he was their fullback. So to me, I mean, they have so much potential in their fullback room. I don't recall his name. I think it was Nakia Watson. They they uh, they recruited him. He was from New Jersey. They he they recruited him at the All American Bowl. Um, he committed to Wisconsin at the All American Bowl. They also have Julius Davis from Menominee Falls, Wisconsin. I mean that running back room is loaded. I mean I just feel like every year. I mean I know we say like in the Big Ten like the Badgers are definitely. Arguably, I would even say college football. The Badgers are one of, if not the best schools in the nation that produces offensive linemen. But, like, you got to talk about their running backs, too. Like, they're all, every year, they're always loaded with talent in that running back room. Oh, yeah, it's to be expected. Like, you expect, (laughs) 
Well, the thing is, when it comes to Wisconsin, though, is that you expect there to be, like, one just workhorse guy, you know? Like, it's just the one guy who's going to kind of come out there, and he's just going to beat you up. He's going to push for three yards, push for four yards, and then all of a sudden he explodes for a 60-yard touchdown, you know? Like, that's just what you expect out of a Wisconsin football team, which is which is why I'm a little bit concerned with their running back room now, even though they've got all the talent. So are we going to see somebody emerge out of this group? Like you said, they just got Berger in the 2020 class. It was a four-star running back, very highly touted guy. Berger, that's who it is. I'm sorry. It was Jalen Berger. You're right. Yeah, yep. And then, but also you got Nakia Watson, who looked very explosive in last season when he got his touches. And um, and then you've got your senior, uh, Garrett Groshek. So, I mean, it's it's going to be a very interesting um Interesting season, in my opinion, when it comes to the Wisconsin running backs until we see somebody kind of take, um, like the reins, like we were saying with the quarterback, take the reins of that number one running back, number one running back spot. So, um, at the end of the day, I'm not real sure. I think they've all, they all play kind of a different role, um, when it comes to playing the running back position, which is kind of awesome that they are able to do that. Um, so we'll see, man. It's going to be very interesting to see, um, who kind of, you know, puts their head in front of the other ones and wins that race to uh, be the number one running back. Yeah, and, I mean, I like Garrett Groshek, and when he played fullback, he played with a lot of toughness and competitiveness and hustle. But, like, to me, I just don't think he's the guy that can be that workhorse running back for the Badgers. I mean, last year it was Jonathan Taylor had handled well over the majority of their of the touches, I mean, he he split with the fullback, Jonathan Taylor, like you mentioned with Nakia Watson as well. Nakia Watson very well might be that guy. I mean, I very well could be Julie, or Julius Davis out of Wisconsin, or out of Menominee Falls. But yeah, I mean, the running back room to me, that running back position, it, it's wide open. Like, I don't know, I wouldn't say it's Garrett Groshek. I don't know if I would, I wouldn't really give it to Garrett Groshek. I mean, yeah, he's the redshirt senior, but like, I think he's more built for a fullback. You also have Mason Stocky, another redshirt senior that is also expected to play fullback. They now have three. They now have three fullbacks on their <laughs> on their roster in their running back room. So, like, I mean, if Garrett Groshek is doing well at the fullback position, why why move him to halfback when he's already exceeding at what he does? He's built like a brick house, and like he uses. I shouldn't say built like a brick house, but he's built. He's got the built for a fullback, and he's a guy that definitely he's powerful. He's a force, and he uses that body to his advantage. So, I mean, we mentioned we already brought up quite a few names: Nakia Watson, Julius Davis, and Jalen Berger. I mean, to me, I would think it's one. I think it's going to be one of those three guys. It very well could be Nakia Watson, but I've got my big eye on Julius Davis. All right, cool. Yeah, I mean, like you're saying, I mean, yeah, Garrett Groshek, he just looks like he's just, you know, one of those meat guys. Like, mm-hmm. Not meat necessarily, but he's big, you know. He's built to take hits, pop pads, you know, that type of deal. So, I mean, that's that's more centered towards being the fullback position. But like you said, they're the one senior they have right there um, that is at the fullback position right now and Stoke, um, you can't really, you know, play, put two seniors in that same position. So, Weird for for Groshek to be kind of moving to running back. Maybe they'll he'll, they'll start him at the beginning of the season and then kind of 
work things out um, as the season progresses. Um, I haven't really seen a lot from Nikia Watson um, or or Julius Davis ultimately to kind of tell you um, how they how they look or anything. But I did do like a little research on Berger because I mean he was a four star running back. He's highly touted. Um, so I mean he looks very good, especially as a pass catcher out of the backfield. So real interesting um, um, group right here, and it's going to be fun to watch. Honestly, hopefully. Um, they all get touches, man. Like, if they all get touches and they can run a little platoon running back system back there and it be very successful, that'll be something we haven't really seen from Wisconsin, and it'll be kind of a dynamic form, especially if uh, Mertz is back there at quarterback. Like, it'll totally change, in my opinion, of what we nor- we typically see from a Wisconsin offensive run game. And I really like that you brought up pass catching because that's huge. I mean, if you go into this 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 year's group of running back prospects – Jonathan Taylor was highly unproven in the passing game. Like, his stats show that he's capable of it. His only two touchdowns were the first game against, I believe it was South Florida. And ever since, the like, the first two, three games, he was utilized less and less in the passing game. So, I mean, I love that Jalen Berger... I mean, the fact that Jalen Berger comes in with a lot of potential in the passing game and, like, capable and proven in it, that, to me, shows a lot of confidence in the running back room. And mm-hmm. it'll be interesting because the fact that the, somehow, like, they, to me, like, I think a lot of people are expecting Garrett Groshek to be that guy at the fullback position. And to me, like, I have a feeling he might even, in some plays, he'll play fullback, but there might even be quite, like, other plays where he will stick in that halfback position. Right. And that'll be another dynamic to that. To that Wisconsin offense is being able to have a running back who can consistently, you know, catch out of the backfield because I don't you normally don't see that a lot from a Wisconsin football team. It's more handoff, you know, not necessarily dinked down to um, whoever. It's just kind of one of those things that you know from watching Wisconsin football and you being a Wisconsin fan is that it's not very they don't utilize the running back in that way. Um, it's pretty much what I was trying to get to. So. Um, So back there, so um, it should be good for him, though, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Um, so there's actually three more positions. So wide receiver, they lost Quintez Cephas. They now come back with a redshirt senior. Another big guy that stood out, Kendrick Pryor. And another guy, another tackle. Um, I think he very well could solidify himself to being a potential early pick, potentially in the first two to three rounds of the draft. And that's Cole Van Lannen. They lost Tyler Biotish, um, and into the Cowboys to the draft. He fell all the way to like I believe it, I think it was the fifth round. And I think a bit a big reason for that was his injuries. And I mean Cole Van Lannen is going to be another guy to step up. And another name that's actually trending in recruiting right now is Nolan Rucci. And if you go and look at his, it should be on two four seven Sports. Um, his crystal ball predictions are Wisconsin and I want to say it's another Big Ten team. Might actually it might even be Alabama. But then if you go and look at his interest, Wisconsin's not even on the not even on the list. But if they got Nolan Rucci, that would be huge, especially yeah. coming from an O line like an O line U school. Yeah. Um, were we talking about wide receivers here or? Um... So so Colt Van Lannen will be the tackle. 
And then, okay. Okay. like you, like I, I mentioned you. earlier, um, Quintus Cephas leaves with the Detroit Lions. No, that was probably my fault. I I went through <laughs> the wide receivers and just named another guy that stood out. Um, Kendrick Pryor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's pretty much settled there. I mean you don't have to say much more than that. That's your guy, you know, Kendrick Pryor, and then your other redshirt senior. Um, uh, or not redshirt senior, just straight up senior, excuse me, and Danny Davis, and then you have another redshirt senior, or two other redshirt seniors in Dunn and Krimholtz, but uh, Pryor's going to be your guy, your go-to um, there at wide receiver. You don't really have to dig into that too much. But, yeah, let's head over to the offensive line like you were talking about. Oh, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, you basically hit right on the nail there, Kendrick Pryor. There's a lot of unproven talent in that wide receiver room. Um, and then offensive line, yeah, I mean, I – Said it, Nolan Rucci's a guy that's trending. That would be huge if the Badgers got him. Um, but, I mean, it seems like another other schools like Alabama are in the lead for it. Um, but, I mean, Cole Van Lannan, to me, is going to be another guy to step up as a leader. I know Jack Cohn will be another guy that's draft eligible, so they will be losing Jack Cohn. Um, but another big name that very well could be drafted within the first two rounds. I mean, we talk, we, everyone knows about Kyle Pitts, Brevin Jordan, and Pat Freemuth from Penn State, which we'll get to in a moment here. But nobody knows about Jake Ferguson. I mean, Jake Ferguson is a guy, I mean, he was utilized a lot in that Paul Christ offense for the Badgers. I mean, he had just over 400 yards. His stats last year um, were, I mean, his stats the past, his first two years in 18 and 19 were a tad similar. They were somewhat similar. He had... um, over 400 yards receiving for both of them. He had four touchdowns his first year, and his second year he had two touchdowns, and now he'll be draft eligible. So if he can make an even bigger name for himself on that offense, especially with an unproven wide receiver room, um, besides Kendrick Pryor, who I think will, I mean, like you mentioned, will step up big time, Jake Ferguson, to me, if he has a really, really good season, he could fly up the draft boards. And he's also a Badger guy, I mean, the Senior Bowl is has been the Senior Bowl has been a game where the past few years where guys like I mean this year we saw Josh Jones and drafted in the third round, Kyle Duggar got drafted in the second round by the Patriots. Those two guys are prime examples of the Senior Bowl being games where guys going up against the most elite talent in the country and making a name for himself and soaring up the draft boards. And I think Jake Ferguson. He gets that invite, which I think he will, and shines. He's a guy that I think could get drafted higher than people expected if he pops off again, um, even more in his third year in the Badgers offense. Yeah, so I'll kind of jump on there where you kind of were talking about the offensive line before we get into um, Ferguson. But um, Cole Van Lannan is going to fill in that spot right there at offensive tackle, right there at your, your blind side right there. So you're going to be pretty solid on the offensive line at Wisconsin, no matter what. Like you say, it's it's freaking OL, offensive line university. Just they produce like Iowa. It's like the same thing. You guys just go hand in hand with each other, just produce offensive linemen like it's crazy. Um, for some reason, this is the second year in a row where there's kind of a question mark on that line. And that, and that biggest question mark now for Wisconsin is at their center position. Um, you can kind of fill in Lyles at the left guard position next to Van Lannan, and then you can interchange Beach and Bruss next to each other on the right side. So um, that center position is kind of open and needs to fill needs needs to be filled um, ultimately, and it's a very important position because you got to get the ball back, you know. 
Yeah, and I mean, as important definitely. as it is to other teams that say run that run a shotgun or anything like that, but go ahead. I'm sorry, I think one of us cut out there. Um, yeah, I mean, you definitely have a great point. I think Tyler Piat, not only, I mean, Tyler Biotish is definitely another big name on that offense that is going to leave big shoes to fill. And one position that might, like, it's up for competition is definitely that center position. You have a redshirt junior and you have a redshirt shirt sophomore. They very well could give it to Lyles for the experience and the advantage, which, I mean, that to me, I have a feeling that might happen, but I mean, they have a lot of potential. One thing I really like about their interior line is they show a lot of versatility. I mean, you mentioned you can move Lyles to the guard. I mean, Biotish is capable of doing that, but obviously his, his strong suit and his expertise is the center position. Right. But yeah, going back uh, to Jake Ferguson, you were saying there's other like Kyle Pitts and everything and the more well-known tight end names out there, but this guy just reminds me so much of, uh, for instance, like a like a George Kittle or, or something like that. Like he just doesn't a Gronk or anything like that. Like he just he flies under the radar, and then at some point he's just gonna make a huge play and he's gonna bully you. That's what really sticks out most to me is that he will not go down. You know, like the same way that Gronk and Kittle and the Kelseys of the world don't. You know, they just fight off defenders when they come to tackle. It takes three guys to bring them down. And I think he's a very underrated tight end prospect when it comes to the NFL draft. Um, I've got a little NFL draft buzz pulled up, and they've got him ranked as the number 30 um, NFL draft prospect in um, the Big Ten. And I think he should honestly be higher than some of these other guys because of, I mean, he didn't necessarily put up the numbers that, you know, all these big tight ends put up. I mean, he had 33 catches for 407 yards and 33 touchdowns last year, but that's also as a redshirt sophomore. Usually, your redshirt guys usually take that leap into their junior year, you know. So this is going to be a big year for Jake Ferguson to kind of show what he's about and uh, hopefully move himself up a couple draft slots. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think he is a top five tight end in this in the country. I mean, we have yeah, we mentioned if you get rid of Kyle Pitts, Brevin Jordan, and Pat Frumuth, that leaves. Jake Ferguson or Charlie Kalar from Iowa State. But, I mean, like you mentioned, if Jake Ferguson can, like, this is definitely a year where he can really prove himself that he's not only underrated, but he's a guy that's also underappreciated and should be talked about more. Yep, definitely. Um, it's I. He's just one of the more underrated players, in my opinion. I just... I don't know why people just don't pay attention just because people just go right off of their numbers and off of stats and everything. But it's more of the intangible effect, too. I mean, like Wisconsin, like we've mentioned multiple times so far, is that Wisconsin loves to run the ball, you know. So you're really not going to get those numbers that an eye-popping, you know, spread team that runs the seam route every three, four plays is going to get out of their tight end. So you got to understand and take that into consideration as well. Yep, definitely. So the next school is the Ohio State Buckeyes. Yay. (laughs) So Justin Fields, I mean, we all know Trevor Lawrence. I think he'll be very – he's going to be something special in the NFL. Justin Fields is a guy that I'm still trying to figure out if he's going to be good in the NFL because he's – obviously he's a guy that we know. He excels in the run game. 
And he's an unbe- he's unbelievable in the passing game. His stats definitely pop out at you. But like if you watch some games, it looks like the guy like he doesn't make any contests. I think you even mentioned this before too. I was, like I was just getting ready to say that, Sam. You and I had this conversation I think about a week ago. Yeah. I mean like there's throws that like almost any other quarterback can make. Like Jack Cohn Jack Cohn could have made those throws. And like, yeah, he has he has studs. For wide receivers. He's got oh, Chris Olave, who very well could solidify himself as a first-round pick. He also has a, another guy in Garrett Wilson. Now, if I remember correctly, this is the guy that committed to, I want to say it was Penn State, and he decommitted and then committed to Ohio State. This guy very well could be. I don't, I don't want to make a way too early assumption, but this guy very well could be the first wide receiver, one of the best wide receivers in the 22 draft class. In Garrett Wilson. I mean that like that whole conversation that you and I had earlier, like before we had even talked about doing the pod, and or before we had talked about you know this episode of the pod was Justin Fields, and he was a very hot topic when it came to me and you because we both are kind of on the same page about him. We see he's good, we know he's good, but is that going to transfer over? Because we see in all of his film, it seems like that his wide receivers are just open, just right. wide open because of their immense talent and being able, their wide receivers' immense talent and being able to get wide open. So we haven't necessarily seen him, try, seen him. I mean, we've he hasn't had to try and do it because they're wide open, but we haven't seen him make those throws that are contested in tight windows or um, in between two different defenders or anything like that. And it just kind of is worrisome to me don't get me wrong, he's a great quarterback. He's going to be good. But it's kind of like the same thing as we've seen from past Ohio State quarterbacks, you know. They 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 succeed in college because their wide receiver group is just out of this world good. And so I don't know if he's necessarily going to be that guy, but again, he's got great wide receivers like you were mentioning and one wide receiver you didn't mention um is Chris Olave. Yep, um, Chris Olave. Yep. Yeah, Olave. There you go. Um, sorry, I, I totally butchered that last name. Oh um, um, but he, he's a big play guy. Like he, that, that's what he does. I mean, he didn't have a good last game last season. Um, but he's got a huge potential here for having over a thousand yards and could be like that next big wide receiver that comes out of Ohio State. So, like you were mentioning, um, another one, Garrett Wilson. It's just, it's so many great wide receivers that make you look good as a quarterback that it starts to make you question and wonder if he is worth all the hype that it's built up to be you know yeah and like and not only does he have like stud wide receivers and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave but I mean Ryan Day like they've built an offense that has worked for the for his play style and like one prime example of that in the NFL is 100% Greg Roman with Lamar Jackson I mean people came in like, Lamar Jackson definitely, he exceeded everyone's expectations. Like, I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't think he was going to pan out in the NFL. I didn't think he was going to be amazing. Right. But, like, Greg Roman, Greg Roman built an offense that works for him. Yeah, like, they have nobody else. They don't have a lot of guys outside of Miles Boykin. They have a hopeful franchise tight end. It looks very promising in Mark Andrews, but he doesn't have a whole lot of weapons. But he's a yeah. guy that wins in the ground on the ground game. I mean, Greg Roman has done a phenomenal job 
creating an offense that works for Lamar Jackson's play style. And that's exactly what the Ohio State offense has done with Justin Fields. Now, I mean, once we get into kind of going deeper into these NFL draft prospects, because the one, like, minor thing that I found with Trevor Lawrence is there are times where, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, he's made, he's, I mean, he's had, now he has Amari Rodgers. Um, right, but he's had T. Higgins. He's he had, had T. Higgins. And now he, has, he had Justin Ross, who now right, will be out for right. a year. But, like, he, those guys, I mean, Chris Olave, is it Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson doing that, like, creating separation that easily? Or, I mean, or is it, like, Trevor Lawrence has made contested throws, and there are times where he's underthrown and overthrown. There's times where he's let his accuracy get in the way from him. And, like, you can tell from going from the one game that kind of stood out to me was one of his first starts in 2018. I believe it was against North Carolina. Yeah, I was going to mention that game. Yeah, I mean, there were times where he had a little underthrown. I mean, he played like any other freshman would have. But then you go and look at 2019 and how much better he's gotten. And, I mean, Justin Fields, to me, if Trevor Lawrence opts out of this season, he has nothing else to prove. Now, if Justin Fields does, to me, I think he still has more to prove, but I still think he'll be, like, in the top 10 to top 15 range of the first round. Some team's going to take a gamble on him. If he falls out, if he falls out of the top 10, there will be a team that will trade up for him somehow. Yeah, I mean, I mean, why not if you've seen the production on the field? I mean, kid put up over 40 touchdowns to just right. four interceptions last year. Like, what? Like, obviously that's going to pique an interest in any scout's mind, in my opinion. Like, me just watching as a fan, I'm like, wow, dude, like, this kid is, like, next level. But, like, if you go past that, you know, and then you start breaking it down and everything, and you, and it's like you were saying, like, taking Trevor Lawrence into example is – We've seen Trevor struggle at times, and that's because he's had to make more difficult throws. His wide receivers haven't separated themselves from the likes of Ohio State's. So he's had to make more difficult throws in the tight spaces, or he's had those um, those lumps and whatever. So just when it comes to Justin Fields, it just looks almost too clean. I don't know if that's like a like a thing. I don't know if you can look too clean, but that's <laughs> that, that's what it that's what it appears to be. But I mean, it's also um, when you're off center in in Josh Myers, and then you've got a um, a whole very experienced offensive line, just with Wyatt Davis at right guard. I mean, it's just you build that offense into a system, and it's gonna work, you know. And it's just like Urban Meyer created this system on offense at Ohio State, and then just literally handed it down to Ryan Day. And it was like, here you go, take it, and just run with it still. And it, it works. I mean, it's just a, it's their system, and it works for them. Definitely. And the big, the big, the interesting position on the offensive side of the ball to me now is the running back position. I mean, yeah, they have Master Teague. Shout out, Middle Tennessee. definitely shown some sparks in big moments but they brought in Trey Sermon a transfer from Oklahoma played in the Big 12 and I mean like we like we both know the Big 12 isn't known for having good they're they're not known for having good elite defenses yeah they produce studs 
but they're not known for that. Yeah. And now you you bring in a guy, Trey Sermon, who's three years experienced in the in the Big Twelve, and now you're coming in and playing more elite talent. If he comes in and shows that he can put up the numbers, I mean his numbers aren't gonna wow you at Oklahoma because he's a guy that split carries. I mean Oklahoma also utilized the passing game a lot more just because they had they had their top they had CeeDee Lamb and the bit the Big Twelve is the Big Twelve is gonna be fun to talk about. They're, Oklahoma is gonna be a really fun team to talk about. But if Trey Sermon can put up impressive stats in the Big Ten, coming from three years in a Big Twelve defense, which is not to me that's not overly impressive. But if you're coming from like that's a huge step, going from three years into the Big Twelve up into one year in the Big Ten to put up like like if he has like close to a breakout season, has put up puts up those impressive numbers. To me, I think he very well could be a guy that should be talked about more. Uh, yeah, you're 100 percent right. I mean, Sermon's a big name. Um, I remember going through the recruitment and everything of Sermon and keeping an eye on it and everything of that nature and like everybody knows that name um no matter what conference you're in or you pay attention to sermon was a big name um back when he was getting recruited about two years ago um somebody who i forgot to mention on ohio state's offensive line was uh um let's see here um dang where'd it go oh well um i forgot who it was again you think you think in uh fair munford Yes, 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 yes. So just somebody else to solidify that offensive line that's going to be decent as well. Um, but like you were saying, um, back to the running back room, um, Sermon is the name to know. Um, that's the name that everybody is going to know. Um, but I think Master Teague, he was definitely solidified himself last year as a number two running back behind J.K. Dobbins. So he's going to get the first chance, um, in my opinion. Uh, Master Teague is actually a graduate from the same high school that I went to, um, Blackman High School up in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. So I kind of paid attention to his recruitment a decent amount. And so I was real excited that he went to a good running back school like um, Ohio State so he could be able to get touches and everything like that. And they do a great job of developing their running backs. So um, running back room should be completely fine for them again and just be um, another dimension to that offensive, uh, offensive power that is Ohio State. And that's that's I like that you said that too because like that they're good at producing running backs like they're almost sneaky good at producing running backs in the NFL. I mean, we've seen quite a few names pop up with Zeke, and now we have J.K. Dobbins. Trey Sermon very well could be in that conversation. And I mean, Master Teague, like we both agreed on, I mean, he's shown sparks. I mean, this very well could be the chance where he can kind of solidify himself as a bigger part in that run game. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to prove himself. I mean, he, he, I mean, as a number two back, you can only do so much. But at, in certain moments, there's times where, like, you have an extra advantage, in my opinion, because you don't necessarily have all the defensive pieces on the opposite side of the field from you. Um, like, if you're getting just, like, uh, backup minutes or, or, you know, like, garbage time minutes or anything like that, so you need to be able to shine. I don't necessarily didn't necessarily see a whole lot of that out of Master Teague last year. It was more of a consistency thing for him. Like, I'm going to consistently put up these numbers. So hopefully he can take that next step and be, um, you know, one of those guys who is the number one back and puts up huge numbers and becomes a star. 
Because if not, Sermon's going to be right on his tail. I guarantee you that. So the defense, obviously the big name that they lost was Chase Young. So there's definitely going to have to be a guy to step up on their front line and even their linebacking core. I mean, Baron Browning, that's huge that they brought him back. They also have Tough Borland. And they also bring back arguably one of the best cornerback prospects in the draft this coming next year. And that's Sean Wade. Yes, baby. Sean Wade. <laughs> what? Uh, I love Sean Wade. Um, I think he's a very, very, very good um, cornerback. Very locked down. Typical uh, Ohio State, you know. Always has the, the you know, compliment or you know, consideration to be DBU. So Sean Wade just exemplifies that. Um, I'm surprised he decided to not put his name into the hat last year for the NFL um, and come back this year. Um, but he should be um, their number one guy this year at the corner position. I know they had a couple guys last year that were ahead of him. So um, he's going to be probably one of those, you know, mid-first-rounder guys um, and maybe even higher than that if he kind of puts up the numbers that everybody's expecting him to. Yeah, 100%. And actually, recently, he he was actually named recently, I think yesterday, two days ago, he's the team captain for the Ohio State Buckeyes. So, like, I mean, that, they have a shows. They put a ton of faith in him. And, yeah, I mean, there was a little bit surprising that he entered or he d- decided to stay back a year. But, I mean... This could really be, like, solidify himself. He Not only is he going to be a first-round pick, but we very well might see him be the second cornerback, first, second cornerback off the board in 2021. Yeah, and the only question I kind of have for Wade this year is he, last year he did a lot of, you know, he was the third corner there last year. So he was doing a lot of the, you know, slot coverage or covering tight ends, mm-hmm. which, don't get me wrong, that's difficult, but where do we see him when it comes to covering a number one guy? You know, this is the season that we're going to have to see him take that next step, in my opinion, and become that guy who can lock down your number one. And I think that was a big reason. To me, I think that was a big reason why it made the most sense for him to come back, just because, yeah, I mean, Sean Wade's name stood out a lot more than it did earlier in the season when he got ejected in the bowl game against uh, Clemson. (laughs) But, I mean, this is also a guy that was overshadowed by Jeff Okuda. I mean, everyone who knew who Jeff Okuda was, Sean Wade's name didn't really come out more until, you know, later in the season. So I think, I mean, the fact that you just said he was a a third corner, he wasn't covering the number one guys. So now that not only he's going to be the team captain of the team, and of that defense... But he's going to go up against even more elite talent than he did his his past two seasons as a Buckeye. Yeah, definitely. And then you had mentioned uh, Borland. But, man, Borland is just one of those guys who loves to be around the ball and has a hell of a first name, might I add. Tough, dude. <laughs> what? That is awesome. That's an awesome first name. Tough. Tough. Tough Borland. Dude, what a linebacker name. That is awesome. Uh, he flies around the ball. Uh, just looks for it all the time. He's going to be around the ball at all times, going to be able to make the tackle, be the first guy to hit you um, type thing. And he's going to earn plenty of the spotlight there on that on that Buckeye defense as well. Yeah, and that's another guy is like 
he comes out of nowhere and makes those big plays as well. So the next team, and this was the big team, one of the big teams along with Minnesota yesterday, and that's Penn State. And their big news, um, I'm not sure if he had not, I mean, it, Micah Parsons opted out of the season. And he was supposed to make an announcement either last late last night or today. I'm not. I didn't. I haven't read anything that he did. Um, but I mean, multiple sources are reporting it. But Micah Parsons is out, opting out of the 2020 season. That is the third guy, the third prospect, third first round projected prospect, along with Rashad Bateman and Caleb Farley, that have opted out of the 2020 season, and. Micah Parsons, and someone tweeted this last night, and they are 150% correct. This guy lived up to his hype the second he he was getting recruited by Penn State. He lived up to it every minute. I mean, if you watch, I was watching a video last night of his Jordan Reed from the Draft Network, and he said, I mean, he said, I'm not a guy that like jumps out of my seat right away. It takes me a while to kind of analyze prospects, but man, Micah Parsons, I would build a defense around Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons is a guy that's all, I mean, yeah, we, we just talked about this with tough Borland, but dude, Micah Parsons, this dude is an absolute animal. I mean, he's all over. He can blitz on the outside. He can blitz on the inside. He's unbelievable. Yeah, he just hawks to the ball, man. Um, like you were saying, it was. I was getting ready to say that ever since Michael Parsons stepped on stepped on Penn State's campus, he made an impact. But it was even before that. Like you were saying, like it, it started in his recruitment, and like from that from that point forward, it was just a different caliber of player. I mean, you know, the there's a difference between a high school player and a college player. Um, we all know that that's a thing and if you can immediately transform yourself from a high school football player that absolutely excels on the football field to a college football player that absolutely excels on the field what's stopping you from becoming an NFL player now that excels on the field as soon as you get there I mean it's ridiculous he led his he led Penn State in tackles the past two seasons and that includes six and a half sacks and 19 tackles for losses and then he absolutely destroyed Memphis um, in the Cotton Bowl game this past season, he like single man defense pretty much. He had 14 tackles, two sacks, three tackles for a loss, two forced fumbles. Like, what what more can you ask from a linebacker? You you can't. It's it's incredible the things that he does. If you can lead the team in tackles two years in a row, you are very outstanding as a as a player. And um, he's gonna make a team uh, NFL team very happy, um, especially with him not not playing this upcoming season and focusing on on getting ready for the combine and getting ready for the test and everything that, that comes with uh, moving on to the NFL. Yeah, and that is going to leave unbelievably big shoes to fill. I mean, he's, like we both agreed on, he's lived up to every second of that hype. And what blows my mind is I, I know mock drafts don't mean a whole lot, I mean, I look at them early. I look at them it, it, immediately after the 2020 draft was done. I look, I look at them all the time. And it just blows my mind. I mean, I coming from a Packer fan, 
it blows my mind. They had him at like in the twenties, like twenty-two to the Packers. If the Packers got Micah Parsons, I would be in tears. I, I don't. I I don't think he would fall that far. But no, not at all. He's a top five. He's a top. No, that's what I'm saying. Is my point is like he's a top five prospect in the draft, and right. I don't understand why analysts, expert like two four seven analysts, or even Bleacher Report analysts. I know it's way too early, but like, dude, we've seen enough of Micah Parsons where he's not going to fall. Like, I think he's a top five prospect in this draft. Like, it's unbelievable shoes to fill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can't even name you who the backup is because of that reason, just because he's such a big name. And it's just incredible the amount of you know, work he's put in to be able to get to the position and or the position that he's in. And you like when somebody's so good at one position, you tend to not focus on those who back him up um, because he's pretty much playing every down for you. And that's pretty incredible to say that you work that hard as a player. And hopefully somebody there in that linebacker room, I'm sure there will be, can be able to step up and fill those roles. Um but he's not going to leave them hanging necessarily. Penn State's got a decent defense, and um, one of their other star players on their defense is their defensive end, uh, Shaka Tony, who's a senior. Yeah, and actually, this this is the other school that had. Oh, you know what? Never mind. That that was BYU. Uh, he was drafted last year. He's actually it was it was BYU because he was the guy that went off and when they when they beat the Badgers two years ago. And he went by the name of Sion Taki Taki. Unbelievable yeah. name. Unbelievable <laughs> man. <laughs> but, I mean, the one name that is really going to pop up, we've already mentioned this. His name's already well known. And he's even gotten the baby Gronk name attached to him. He can, like, he's versatile, dude. He can play tight end. He can, he can play in the backfield. That's Pat Trumuth. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, we talk how Brevin Jordan is a yards after catch machine. Brevin Jordan. I mean, to me, like we said, I, I mentioned this to you before we went on the air. If Brevin Jordan, I mean, he doesn't have the body frame like Kyle Pitts. He's not, he, like, he, he has the height. Like, he's like 6'3, six, 6'4, six, I believe. If he was taller, like three, two, three inches taller, he would be right. a horse. And, like, I think he would be considered as the number two tight end prospect in the draft. And everyone's talking about Pat Freemuth. I mean, Brevin Jordan is a yards after catch machine. I mean, Pat Frumuth is also a guy that is very impressive after the catch. And I love, see there, there are certain guys that have that big body, but they don't use it to their advantage. And Pat Frumuth is the complete opposite of that. And he's not only a yards after catch machine, but he's explosive. And he, he uses that big body athleticism and versatility of his to his advantage. Yeah, um, definitely. And just heading back to their defense real quick before we head over. I mean, their linebacker, Micah Parsons, um, is, or what am I talking about? Never mind. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what am I talking about? Um, yeah, the tight end position. I mean, they've got two very good tight ends. Um, Frere, how do you say his name? Pat Frumuth. For, 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 okay, I'm not even going to attempt it. Um, I'm just going to butcher it so bad. Um, he's a big guy. Uh, big guy. Likes to go up and get it, um, snag it with our hands. Kind of reminds me of a basketball player, you know, going up, getting the rebound, just securing the ball. Um, and I think NFL 
scouts and everything really fall in love with that and they kind of skip over um the other tight end that they have like you were saying before and but he's one to watch as well and um the only real question I have when it comes to Penn State's offense is not necessarily in their running back room but it's more centered towards their wide receivers because usually you know what they have a really good standout at least one standout wide receiver and I'm just not really seeing that this year yeah that to me like their wide receiver room they really don't have guys that really stand out more than the other I mean this is a team this is an offense like like we mentioned last week with Kyle Pitts he's gonna have to be their number one target because they don't have anyone that's you know proven I mean that to me that's kind of that's basically the same thing with 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 uh with Penn State I mean Pat Freemuth is obviously going to be the number one guy he's the number one target because they don't they that they don't really have anyone in their wide receiver room that really stands out more than others. I mean they have George Daniel, they have Cam Brown. I mean, are those guys really going to make that huge of an impact? And another, and another like another name we talked about this also too is their quarterback room. I mean, they had Trace McSorley, who was drafted last year by the Ravens. Mm-hmm. They had Christian Hackenberg, who actually. Um, a few weeks ago, reported he's he's making a run at going into the MLB. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, and, See how that's worked out for uh, past quarterbacks. And uh, <laughs> now they have Sean Tebow. Clifford. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Sean yeah, Clifford's. Um, a, I like I'm Sean. Sorry. Yeah, I mean he's good. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So I mean, the way I look at the Penn State quarterbacks is they don't. They're not quarterbacks that really wow me going into the next level. And like, I know people like look at college football differently is if you want to look at guys, I mean, I guess positions differently. I mean, that sometimes that's the way I look at it just because I'm a guy that's big and big into the NFL draft. I mean, like Jake Browning from Washington a few years ago, that was a guy that I saw was only good in college. And that's the kind of the way I see it with Sean Clifford. I think Sean Clifford. Is good. He's consistent. He's a guy. He's a quarterback that's good enough to win them football games. And what's funny is, The Rock bought the XFL, and yeah. the XFL is doing phenomenal. I mean, but the problem is, and my friend, were, my friend and I were talking about this a few months ago. Their only quarterbacks they had that were good were PJ Walker, who is now on the Panthers, right? And up. right, uh, Teddy. Yep, and. Cardale Jones. And my friend and I were saying, you know, if like even though their ratings were as high as they were, if they had better quarterbacks to watch, they more people, if they had better quarterbacks than PJ Walker, Cardale Jones, Aaron Murray hasn't touched a football in years. He's been a commentator. Like he's been, he's been a college football analyst. Oh, I and, mean it's bad when um, the quarterback that went from that came out of USF takes your starting spot after the first game of the season. So, <laughs> uh, Yeah, but, like, I mean, Jake Browning was a perfect guy for the XFL. Sh- Sean Clifford, like, to me, I would love to watch Sean Clifford in the NFL. I just don't think his game will translate as well as other people think it will in the NFL. Yeah, uh, right there with you. I mean, we've seen quarterbacks from Penn State, like the McSorleys and, and the whatnot, and it's just kind of like, I mean, we've said this twice now, like a 
a system type deal or like it's a, a college quarterback not translating into the NFL, which tends to happen a lot um, with Penn State quarterbacks. I like Sean Clifford. I think he's a great um, player. I think he makes big time throws. Um, he's been what two years now as the quarterback for Penn State. Um, and the real question mark here is they just got a new offensive coordinator. Um, is going to see how he works with this new OC and being able to get the ball out to um, these wide receivers that kind of need to make a name for themselves and then trusting his his two tight ends and um, his running back in um, Journey Brown, who's kind of, you know, the solidifying, you know, go-to guy back there in that offense for Penn State. And Journey Brown's actually a name that has actually popped up like quite a bit. I mean, yeah, he's not a well-known running back. He's not a Trey Sermon. He wasn't a Jonathan Taylor, obviously. But his name has popped out, other than if you get rid of Pat Frumuth, he's probably the other guy besides the quarterback, Sean Clifford, that has made name that has made a name for himself in like definitely parts of the season. Yeah, I expect him to take a more significant role in their offense this year. He finished last season in I think four out of their five games had in their four out of their five last games had over a hundred yards rushing. So um a lot of potential there. We just kinda need to see it um come out a little more, maybe bulk up a little bit, um, be able to like run over people and run over those tackles, run through arm tackles and um he's entering the third year of his of his college career. Um and he just kind of got to show just a little bit more. I mean, last year he only rushed for, I say only, but 890 yards and 12 touchdowns on 129 carries. So, I mean, not bad stats, but um, I need to see that leap. I want to see you get over 1,000 yards for for you to be able to be that that guy, you know, that guy that your team can rely on, that guy they can go to when the going gets tough and you can come in out and make a big play that your team needs. And you hit that right on the money right there is – I mean, we've seen Penn State with Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders, and you, you nailed it right there. Is Journey Brown has tons of potential that Penn State did they they have yet to unlock it? Like, I mean, this very well could be the year. And I fully, I 100% agree with you because of the wide receiver room. Like we discussed, there's really not guys that really stand out more than the others. There's Pat Frumuth, and I fully, I also fully expect a bigger role from Journey Brown. Yeah, uh, he should be. I mean, I, I expect him to literally explode this season um, just because we've seen what Penn State's able to do with with a third-year running back. So he should be able to kind of explode here. I mean, he's not Saquon. Um, he could be a Miles Sanders-esque type player, not as small, obviously, but um, he could be one of those guys that, you know, took a little bit of time and then now it's his chance and he's kind of understood like, hey, this is what I got to do. And now my coaches are putting me in the right positions to be able to do that, and I can take off from there. Definitely. So the last team we're going to end on tonight is the Minnesota Gophers. And the big news coming out of Minneapolis yesterday was not only Caleb Farley last week opting out, not only Micah Parsons last night opting out, but Rashad Bateman, I mean, he's the second, to me, he's the second best wide receiver in the draft class behind Jamar Chase. I mean, to me, I mean, I mentioned this before, Tanner Morgan's a guy, he, Tanner Morgan's the second best quarterback in the Big Ten behind um, behind Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. 
And, I mean, Rashad Bateman's got some big shoes to fill. I mean, definitely Caleb Farley, Rashad Bateman, Micah Parsons, they're not going to be the only first-round potential projected guys that are going to opt out. So Rashad Bateman is definitely going to hurt them a lot. They have other guys. I mean, Seth Green wasn't used a lot in their offense, but he's also a guy that shows versatility. Like he can not, not only can he be used in the receiving game, but he can also be used in their backfield. So, I mean, he's a guy that I expect to be used a little bit more. And another guy is Demetrius Douglas. I mean, Cam Autumn Bell. They, they have a lot of guys with potential, but Rashad, Rashad Bateman is definitely going to be a huge loss. Yeah, that's the thing here, uh, Sam, is it's potential. Um, you don't have a trusted guy, you know. Um, Rashad was your guy, and that really hurts you to to lose him. Um, I'm just kind of looking over here now. Um, he broke 17 tackles and caught 10 of 16 contested passes on routes of 10 yards or longer last season. Like, you can't replicate that. Um, that's a special player right there, and he owns four school records for most receiving yards by a sophomore and a freshman, and also receiving touchdowns by a sophomore. Um, he was a, he's supposed to be a Bolitnikoff Award finalist, um, Big Ten first-teamer, put up over 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns on 60 catches last season, and he was the best receiver coming back in the Big Ten this upcoming season, and now he's gone. Who is going to be that person to be that guy. I don't see it, and that's going to make life really, really difficult um, for their quarterback in Tanner Morgan, and uh, it sucks that it that it's happened to happen that way, but, I mean, I don't blame um, Rashad for making that move because, I mean, ultimately, what is everybody's goal here? It's to make it to the NFL, and so if your season is in jeopardy, perhaps, then you might as well just go ahead and say, hey, call it. I'm going to watch after my health and I'm going to work on getting myself to that next level. And I, the person I really feel for here is Tanner Morgan because um, he's got a great offensive line. He's got um, a decent weapon there at tight end. And we don't really know what is that running back. I'm sure they've got a decent amount there. But when your top wide receiver goes and leaves, it's it's going to take a big hit to that Minnesota offense unless we see somebody step up and fill that role. But I mean, if you got a try and step into a player's spotlight when they've owned four school records for over their freshman and sophomore years and then are a Belenikoff award finalist for this upcoming season, even though they're not playing, that's going to be hard to do. Yeah, that, that that's going to hurt Tanner Morgan a lot. And like like you mentioned, if we were to pick a guy now, there's not really a whole lot. I mean, Chris Autumn Bell, I mean, last year they had Tyler Johnson. And Tyler Johnson wasn't a guy that, took the spotlight away from Rashad Bateman because they still had, like, I mean, Rashad Bateman, you just named all his stats right away, an impressive performance. Both of those guys put on shows. I mean, now Chris Autumn, Chris Autumn Bell had just over three, four hundred yards receiving. That's not very promising. I mean, to me, he very, he could be the guy to step up, but we don't know yet. And like we both just agreed upon earlier and mentioned, it's potential, and we have yet to see that potential. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what Minnesota relies on. I mean, they don't necessarily have a defense that stands out to you. They don't have anybody on their defense that really stands out as, like, a playmaker or anything like that. So a lot of Minnesota is like, we got to score. We got to put up numbers, whatever. Um, and, yeah, it's just it's difficult to see. I mean, 
it's just hard to see with what they've got right now. I mean, they've got a great offensive line, and that's great for Tanner Morgan to have time and be able to pass to these guys and kind of get them comfortable and in the flow of trying to replicate the numbers that Rashad was able to put up. And you mentioned another thing. Rashad was able to put up these numbers alongside Tyler Johnson. Yeah, and I mentioned this before, and I remember asking you and everyone from Unwrapped Sports in the college sports department, and I asked I asked them this question. I said, who do you think is the most underappreciated coach in college football? To me, I mean, I just because to me, just because PJ Fleck is talked about all the time doesn't mean he's appreciated. And right. just look at like what J- Jerry Kill when he was the 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 head coach before PJ Fleck, they were lucky to be ranked. Even when they were even when they were ranked, they were in the bottom three of like the top twenty five. And then you bring in PJ Fleck who is now in, in his, what, three, third year, fourth year of coaching with the Gophers. To me, it's just amazing how far that he's brought this program, that he's took, in this, that he's took this program, and even in the 2019 season, he put them in the discussion for the top four. Yeah, I mean, if you can consistently, I mean, you take a team like that in recruiting and then turn it into what he's doing now, it's all P.J. Fleck, man. I mean, this whole thing starts with him. He doesn't get these guys. I mean, Minnesota doesn't get these guys unless P.J. Fleck's there. I personally am not a fan of the whole moniker of, like, row the boat or anything like that. And that that's just from personal aspects of having an ex-coach that used a phrase and it just went horribly wrong. <laughs> um, but besides that point, uh, P.J. Fleck, in my opinion, is a great coach. Uh kind of does it his own way and I can respect that as um, as a fan and being able to see what he's been able to do with a team out in the middle of Minnesota that not every you know top talent guy wants to go and sit in the middle of Minnesota when there's not a whole lot to do a lot of other guys want to go to Miami and you know all those types of places because there's things to do or USC's or you know, the Texases of the world and things of that nature because there's other things outside of just football going on. But to see the job that P.J. Fleck has been able to do, and that's kind of where I kind of turn my emotions back on I don't know how it's going to really work out for Minnesota because it's just going to. Because I have that belief in P.J. Fleck and I have that respect that he's going to be able to turn one of these guys that we don't know about is just going to become a star. And I think a lot of it is... I don't think we talked about Tanner Morgan quite enough, is a lot from what we've seen out of Tanner Morgan, I mentioned that he's the second best quarterback behind Justin Fields in the Big Ten. If you look at the quarterback rankings, you got Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Jamie Newman, Brock Purdy. I mean, without a question, Tanner Morgan is in the the top ten range, probably the seven to ten range. So I mean, Tanner Morgan. Say, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say he's probably top seven. Yeah. I mean, and I think a lot of that is PJ Fleck. I mean, PJ Fleck is also a guy that we've seen at Western Michigan produce offensive talent. Corey Davis is a big name. Obviously, he hasn't shown the potential that he's given that he has 
over in Tennessee. I think he'll be gone when his contract's up. But still, he like he 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 brought guys to first round potential, and Rashad Bateman is a great example of that. And he's also giving quarterbacks like he made Tanner Morgan an even bigger name for himself. And yeah, this is kind of the first quarterback we're seeing from from Minnesota that's kind of got the hype that I mean, I mean not necessarily hype, but more hype than we've ever seen from a Minnesota quarterback in my opinion. I mean, if you you break 10 single season school records, that is very telling in my opinion and you throw for 3000 yards and 30 touchdowns as a sophomore and um I mean, that's that's pretty fantastic for a quarterback and especially out of Minnesota you never hear about and um, it just really goes to show that P.J. Fleck is not only um, being able to develop these guys once they get on campus, but doing a great job of, of um, you know, kind of seeing them before and being able to acknowledge and, and kind of find these talents um, before a lot of other people do. And um, that's good on him, and being able to get them to come to Minnesota is a huge kudos to him. Yeah, definitely. And their defense to me – looks like it's like the wide receiver class. I mean, the wide receiver room, like we were talking about earlier with Penn State. It, there's young guys, and they're not, they're, they're only losing, they're losing their corner. Um, I don't, can't recall his name. But the one... Um, area, they're also, they also lost uh, Whitfield, the safety. Yep. And the one positional that, or the one area that I could very well see pop off this season is their front D-line, their front defensive end. Yeah, um, it'll be it'll be curious to see what they do um, on the defensive side of the ball. I know Aaron Hill um, is their linebacker, and he's, he's pretty good. Um, but outside of that, it's just kind of, you know, uh, they're just very, they're just guys, you know, they're, they're guys. They don't necessarily put up the, the gaudy stats that we see a lot of other like playmakers on defense, um, do. They just kind of are a very cohesive unit. And like I said, Minnesota is more aimed towards their offense anyways. Um, and they just have just, you know, a pretty solid defense. Yeah, for sure. And Caleb Farley, Pat for Caleb Farley, Micah Parsons, Rashad Bateman, Will probably won't be the first guys to opt out that are projected, the last guys to opt out, I'm sorry, that are projected first-round talent. And, I mean, it sucks. I mean, it really it really sucks that we're living in a world like this. And I'm really hoping that it gets better sooner rather than later because if we don't see college football, if we don't see football in general, because the NFL doesn't look hot right now either, if we don't see football in general, I do not know what I'm going to do. Yeah, it's um, it's very unfortunate that we are kind of living in these times and everything right now. But like you said, these three top first-round talents aren't going to be the first to happen. Uh, coincidentally, each week that we get ready to do our pod, one or two big names in that conference that we're about to do a pod and drop in just enough time for us to be able to talk about it. So, <laughs> right. um, I mean, that's good for content, but it's not good for, for viewing and um, everything like that, or good for necessarily the sport of NCAA football um, um, in terms of it continuing. 
like you said, um, you and I have kind of had this talk in the past about whether we see a college football season or not, and I'm starting to trend more towards your thoughts, and it's not going to. Um, I just think as closer and closer it gets to these times, if they can't do it in a bubble, this travel is going to mess everything up, and then it's just going to explode. I mean, we've seen it all fall out from in the in the MLB right now. Um, they're having issues with it because they're traveling. So, I mean, if you can't keep that under wraps in, the, in a Major League Baseball, which is a professional sport, what makes you think it's going to happen in a professional football sport, yet alone a college sport where these kids – I mean, they're kids, ultimately. I mean, remember college, it's 18 to 17, 18-year-old kids to about 22-year-old kids. I mean, what do you do at that age? You go out to parties and you want to socialize and everything like that. There's nothing that's going to stop them from doing that. Um, and even if you have mandates or anything, I mean, they're kids. They're going to want to go out. They're going to want to have fun. Um, and I just don't under I don't see how that's going to be a plausible thing um, now at this point. Yeah, and you mentioned just how, like, the problems with MLB's had. How can we do it with football? Look at the amount of, I mean, NBA is doing a phenomenal job. Adam Silver is arguably the best commissioner in all of sports. He went into this fully expecting a case to happen. I mean, all the cases that have happened, they, none of them have been inside the bubble. Pat Connaughton and Eric Bledsoe tested positive. They weren't in the bubble. Unidentified players from the Magic tested positive. They were on their way to the bubble, and I'm pretty sure it was the same thing with Michael Beasley because Michael Beasley was one of the first ones, Russell Westbrook. But Adam Silver is doing a phenomenal job. And, I mean, if you look at the amount of guys they have on their roster, too, that they're bringing to the bubble, it's not a whole lot. I mm -hmm. mean, to me, that's also a big reason why the NBA has that advantage. I mean, and I think that's also a big reason why Adam, the NBA is doing so well and why, why Adam Silver is doing such a great job. And if you look look at the MLB, I mean, they're bringing all these guys, like, a tons more, like, a lot more than NBA, and they're having problems. I mean, now, if, if MLB's having problems with that amount of people, think of what it's going to be like with NFL. They're going to have to bring, I mean, not, I don't know, like, will they be bringing a 53-man roster on the sidelines? The, to me, that's just almost impossible at this point that that can happen. And I, yeah. to me, I was very optimistic that... We weren't going to have a college football season, but we were going to have an NFL season. And now I'm – the more I really look into it, I mean, to me, NFL just doesn't seem to have a huge plan. I mean, now I'm almost – like you're leaning towards my side of college football not being around. I'm now leaning towards NFL maybe not being around, which really sucks to say. But – and I have – I have a lot of friends that play college sports. I've interviewed them. Um, I've, I'm a UW-Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. I go to UW-Milwaukee. One of my friends is actually um, one of the big names now. On the baseball team, he's the catcher. And I interviewed him for a feature story and their head coach and their guys. And you really feel for them. I mean, obviously, we can't put them – we can't put ourselves in their shoes. And But, like, you really feel for them. And, like, the, the best thing that could have ever happened to them is they're granted another year of eligibility. And to me, I think that was an un, I think that was a great move by the NCAA. Uh, one, of the, one of the very nice things that, that, that they have done. And, obviously, you really feel for them, and you really hope for the best for all these college athletes. 
Yeah, I mean, you've got it, you got it all right there, Sam. Uh, and yeah, for one good thing that the NCAA has done is be able to do that <laughs> um, out of outside of everything else that they have done wrong in the past and not done. Um, they finally did a good move there. But yeah, you really got a feel for the kids here. Um, you know, these first round talent guys, I mean, they're going to get theirs, but it's the guys who, you know, just got a scholarship or or just earned their right to play or, or something like that, but not necessarily aren't going to get drafted or anything. You got to feel for them because, I mean, that was their last chance of possibly playing the sport that they love. And it, it just really hurts um, to be able to see that um, kind of coming to fruition here. And um, hopefully things change quickly. So um, we don't see even more sports be affected by this, but yeah, it's a, it's a sad thing. And hopefully uh, we'll move forward from it um, here shortly. Yeah, for sure. And I'm really hoping this thing gets better. Hopefully see some sort of football. But for now, that will wrap everything up. Um, Caleb, I'm I've got I've said all my thoughts. Have you got anything else to add, brother? Uh yeah, just also um as always, uh Unwrap Sports, a huge thank you to them for bringing us along and everything like that and helping us create this podcast and bringing us together. Um and we have a um a discount for some hemp cream that is used for for some achy joints or um, achy pains that you might have. Um, it's called RX Hemp. So if you head over to rxhemp.com, you can enter the code rxhemp-usn um, and get 10% off your first order. Again, that's rxhemp.com, and you just enter the code rxhemp-usn for 10% off your first order. Um, I know myself as being an ex-cross-country runner and um, an ex-soccer player that my knees get bad here and there especially when I'm running. So um, this stuff is great use. Um, all of us directors at the Unwrap Sports Network got something to try out, and I've used it after a couple runs. And um, it really does help soothe the pain and take away kind of that annoying feeling that's right there. So um, head over there, check it out. Um, feel free to check out Unwrap Sports, and um, go ahead and check out our um, Twitter page as well, at um, SatStandout. So that's at Saturday, so just a shortened version of Saturday. So at SatStandouts. Um, usn um and that's on twitter yep hit it right on the money there man unwrap sports network give us a follow show some love sat standouts usn use the discount our discount for cbd hemp oil and that will end the big 10 next week we've got your expertise man we've got the acc and we're oh, gonna yeah. start yeah. off with the florida state seminoles the uh <laughs> i said the Badgers were the former school of Alex Hornibrook. Now we've got <laughs> now, now we've got the current school of Alex Hornibrook, Florida State Seminoles. Yes, sir. You're lucky I just didn't play the war chant over the over the pod. <laughs> <laughs> That'll end it. Stay safe, brother, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. You do the same, man.